Today we're diving into the mailbag to answer your questions about roster fits, when guys are returning from injury, what that'll look like, and about a million other things. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked On Twins. We'll give this another go, but I'm your host, Brandon Ward, and you can find me on Twitter, though I don't think I would, at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. Had started recording this over the weekend and had some internet issues that resulted in it dropping the show halfway through. So we're giving it another run. We'll see how it goes, but thank you for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We are available and free wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. So, of course, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also, as a reminder, please feel free to be active in the comments. I'll hang out in the comment section with you guys, ask you questions, answer your questions, and that sort of thing. Let's just have a dialogue. Also, if you have questions you want answered on the show, shoot them to me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren at Locked On Twins in the DMs. However you want to get it to me, we'll take it. Also, Locked On Twins, breathless post-game minutes after most games where we will give you a stat that you will not hear anywhere else. Twins Tigers open up a series at Target Field on Monday at 6.40 p.m. Twins looking to get a measure of revenge after a series in which they dropped three of four at Comerica Park. Twins coming off taking two of three against the Phillies. So we'll see how it goes. But if you want to catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast, with SiriusXM, you can do so on the SXM app. Just search Twins. Now, we are right into the opener segment one. And again, as you see on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, it says Friday Mailbag. That's because we recorded on Friday, it disconnected, and then the weekend got away from us. So we are out here answering your questions. And again, this is one of my favorite things to do is to hear what you guys want to know because... A big reason why you indulge in this program is because you want to know the answers to your questions. So you asking me them makes it that much easier. Now, Troy June wants to know, when guys like Lewis and Stewart get called back up, so Royce Lewis and Brock Stewart, who is going to go back down, especially of all the position players? Now, <laughs> the last time I recorded this episode, we went into roster resource and looked at some of the option decisions that the Twins have available to them. So this keeps track of 40-man roster stuff who can and can't go down without having to clear waivers and that sort of thing. Um, not that many names that were that exciting as far as guys who um, have options left that might surprise you. Now, with that said, uh, Kyle Farmer having an option left definitely surprised me. Willie Castro having one left, I think I may have known that, but either way, um, he could go back. You also have Julianne, who's not going back. Um, Walner has all three. Willie Castro has one. Jeffers has two. Farmer and Luplo each have one. But otherwise, yeah, no, it's going to get tricky because you're hoping that Alex Kirilov, Jose Miranda, Royce Lewis, Nick Gordon, Byron Buxton, all five of those guys – can all be healthy in relatively short order. Also, four of those guys' first-round picks. 
including three guys in the top five. So that shows you the kind of talent the Twins have missed out on here just recently. But so if we assume the easiest moves to send guys back would be Walner and Luplo, that still doesn't make it much easier when you're looking to get someone like, uh, you know, if, if Willie Castro is an option to go back, he's he's been good, but at some point this roster crunch is going to get dicey. Now, again, we've been saying that all season long, and then a guy like Donovan Solano messes up his knee. Now, granted, he got back to the lineup on Sunday. Also, too, I want to note, the fact that people get real upset that the Twins don't put guys on the IL a day or two after getting hurt, Solano coming back and having a three-hit game should be a pretty good indication of why teams don't make those decisions quickly. He was only he only missed three games. Uh, he didn't play Saturday. We don't know if he was available, but either way, he missed three or four games, depending on your purview. That's still better than setting him down for 10 games, a week and a half, to bring up Trevor Larnick, who you may not even have a natural fit for because you really need um, someone who can play first base. Now, again, they played short, so it's not exactly the most salient of points. But again, it just it comes back to this is why teams are not so quick to put guys on the IL, even though fans in the stands are. So as far as guys coming back, though, you know, we've been waiting for that all season long. And so I'm, I'm trying not to give it too much mental energy. Now, with that said, I'm certainly looking at this roster and thinking they're not going to have space for each of these guys and they're going to have to make a difficult decision. But again, you know, every time we think that Willie Castro gets scratched from the lineup or any number of other things, you know, Carlos Correa comes off early. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how they balance all of this. Joey Gallo could be DFA'd, although he's coming off his best game of a, uh, as a twin on Saturday. So a lot of this is to say that I'm not really sure, and maybe we're forcing the dilemma, but we've been saying, where are all these guys going to fit when everyone's healthy, and it just hasn't happened yet. So thanks for the question, Troy. Our friend Matt, that Matt guy, says or asks rather, what can we expect for moves in the offseason since the Twins stood Pat at the deadline? Now, standing Pat at the deadline, I did an entire episode on it. I gave him a big fat F. And we've seen how it can give and take because the Twins have had really bad series against Detroit, Kansas City, and then really good series against the Phillies just now. And um, they've played better teams better of late they kind of play to their competition level which is frustrating especially because you'd like to see the twins kind of take off in this division which for whatever reason they haven't done yet but now with that said as far as free agents coming up Sonny Gray will be a free agent Kent Maeda will be a free agent and then Tyler Malley will also be a free agent they um they have Joe Ryan locked in. They got Chris Paddock locked in. So it's actually not necessarily as bad as people might think. Because I know people are like, oh, man, it's going to suck to lose Sonny. It's going to suck to lose maybe Kenta. I, I could see them bringing back Kenta. But um, starting pitching is going to be the focus. I don't know that they're going to need to address offense that much. Um, again, not because the offense has been good this year, but because they've got pieces in place that they have to figure out what to do with. 
like Jose Miranda has been horrible this year, but you can't just say, all right, well, send him down to AAA, exile him, and he'll never see the light of day again. No, what will happen is he'll spend the next year at AAA. He will become a minor league free agent and go do the Jose Bautista thing with the Blue Jays or something stupid like that. And so that's why the Twins are going to have to figure out a lot on offense with guys already in the conversation before you add guys like Brooks Lee or before you try to figure out, you know, can you keep Nick Gordon and Willie Castro on the same roster? You know, where's Royce Lewis's medium to long-term fit? Can Alex Kirilov stay healthy? All these questions need to be answered on offense. That's why I think pitching is going to be the focus. And I don't think they're going to go big for relief help for better or worse. Um, and if I'm honest, I, I usually say better just because I think that um, it's just a better usage of your finances to spend money on position players and starting pitchers and kind of cultivate a bullpen. Also, too, I think they have enough guys in place to put together possibly a fairly decent bullpen internally. Now, with that said, they still should have added at least one more arm, if not two, at the deadline. We're not absolving them of that. But when I look forward to this offseason, um, looking forward doesn't really <laughs> do it justice. I don't want to. I don't want the winter to be here. But um, yeah, I think it's gonna be pitching, pitching, and more pitching. Uh, Twins, I believe their budget has them hard capped at like seventy. Not hard cap. It's like seventy three, seventy four million in hard committed money to next year. So there'll be some space to add a starter. Um, will it be someone like Sonny Gray on a short-term deal, Lucas Giolito, or do they go big and try to land that big fish? Um, not as convinced on that. But, yeah, I think it's going to be pitching, pitching, and more pitching, Matt. Thanks for the question. Uh, Anthony Grudel wants to know, if the Twins' uh, pitching staff had the Saints lineup, would they be around a 67-71 to 71 win team with a Major League Baseball schedule? Now, when I look at that, and we, we looked at this in the initial recording, and I'm still knocking on wood and praying that this finishes recording, a 69-win team or someone in this area right now would be the White Sox or the Nationals. So do I think that this pitching staff with that offense could be that good? And I, I think the first time I, I kind of came to the idea that it would probably be more like a 58-60 to 60 win team maybe can avoid a hundred losses. Although, you know, a lot of things have to go right. And a lot of things have to go wrong for those scenarios to play out. But I would guess it's below 67, but it's probably in, in the area of 58 to 62, just on the basis of, I think the pitching staff would be good enough. I think the offense, when you look at it right now is filled with guys who've either played in the big leagues like Trevor Larnick, or you could expect them to with Chris Williams, Deshaun Kiersey, in addition to you know some of the other guys that we know well, Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis, and that sort of thing. Um, you know what? I will say I think they could win. It'd be un- I take the under on sixty-seven, but it would be like sixty-five. Because the more I'm talking myself into it, they do have enough pitching to kind of hang around offensively. This offense, if this offense powers them to eighty-four wins, let's say hypothetically. Could you subtract 13 to 15 and and this team still look about the same if you swapped out offenses? So I'm going to say 65. I'm going to take the under, but I don't think it's that terrible of a, of a question. 
Prime Floro says, is Willie Castro here long-term or nah? Now, what I came back to with this one when I did it the first time, and I, after the first segment, I won't be able to say that anymore, so we won't have to have to deal with me hearkening back to my um, source spot of missing a half of a show. Uh, Eduardo Nunez is who I come back to here. Now, granted, the amount of fanfare surrounding either of these guys not – terribly high. Nunez was a little more celebrated just because he was a Yankees prospect who was exposed, expected to, slash supposed to, so exposed to. Um, <laughs> he was supposed to be the Derek Jeter replacement. It just never, ever happened for him. So he ends up in Minnesota. Um, funny enough, 2014 is the year Derek Jeter plays in the going away all-star game at Target Field. And then the next year, Eduardo Nunez is an all-star for the Twins. So just kind of funny how those things come full circle. But as, um, Nunez spent two and a half seasons with the Twins, um, was good enough to be an all-star, and um, just just in general, I do, the, the shelf life for guys like this are short. They're limited. So I'm not, I'm not saying that he's going to be a part of this team for – even the medium term, um, it might even just come down to him and Nick Gordon. And so maybe you think Castro is the best, better of the two players, but that might also mean that someone will trade you a good reliever for him in the offseason and you can keep Nick Gordon, who um, you drafted and developed here over the last decade. So we'll see, but I don't think Willie Castro is long for Minnesota. Um, Wisties wants to know my postseason rotation as of right now let's do this let's talk quickly about sleeper and then we'll bring it back uh, our friends at sleeper want to know that if you want they want to know do you want the chance to win more money with less picks head to sleeper where you can win up to a hundred times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks so if you think a player is going to hit a homer in any given night or day game and you want to swing for the fences and put down a little money, put your money where your mouth is, you can do that and get up to 100 times your money paid back out. You just have to choose two players or more who you like and select based on stat categories like homers, strikeouts, hits, et cetera, et cetera. So you just kind of pick and pick and play, mix and match, whatever you want to do to make the um, the decisions of what you think is going to happen in the action on that day's slate. So if you use the promo code locked on on the sleeper app, you will get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Now terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details, but they're currently operational in 30 plus States. So go check out sleeper today, find out if your state is in that mix. And if not get ready for it to be, because I think they continue to spread as time goes on. So again, use promo code locked on on the sleeper app and find out if you can get up to a hundred dollar match on your deposit operational in 30 States. Plus check out sleeper today. Okay. So we are riding through the bullpen. We're going to talk to you a little bit about the twins postseason rotation as it stands right now. But before we do that, thanks for making locked on twins. Your first listen every day. If you're an everydayer, we are working on getting former Twins reliever Pat White, Light, Pat White, I'm thinking of the quarterback from back in the day, Pat Light, 
who was traded for Fernando Abad back in the day. Um, we're going to get him on this week. So should be fun. If you have any questions, shoot them to me on Twitter. Otherwise, Twins play the Tigers at Target Field uh, starting Monday, 6.40 p.m. It's going to be Bailey Ober and Alex Fiedo. Twins looking for a measure of revenge after dropping three straight and three of four total to the Tigers at Comerica Park earlier in the week. So catch every pitch of the Twins Boomtown broadcast with Corey and Danny on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. So Wisties wants to know, what is our Twins postseason rotation looking like right now? And what's kind of funny is we've spent parts of this year calling a lot of different guys the Twins ace. Number one, however you want to determine it, the definition for everyone varies for what you think an ace is, what you think a number one is, what you think a number two is. With that said, there have been times where I've heard people call Sonny Gray that guy, especially because of how he started. Pablo Lopez, on the sheer thought of how much the Twins traded to get him, how much they paid to keep him, and just the fact that I think he's the best Twins starter right now um, would be my vote. But there's also been times where Joe Ryan was cruising and everybody was pretty enthused about him. And even Bailey Ober at times, like I wouldn't say anybody has credibly called him their ace or their number one. But he's been good enough to be in that conversation at different points in the season. So for all intents and purposes, Dallas Keuchel is not part of this decision. Joe Ryan is, which gives you a five-man rotation of Lopez, Gray, Ober, Maeda and Mr. Joe Ryan. I would say you probably start four. And so it comes down to if Joe Ryan can figure out this home run problem down the stretch. Because right now, as things stand, I would go Pablo in game one. I'm really struggling with this game two one. At this second, I'm going Sunny game two, Kenta game three, and then uh, Ober game four. Now, if Ryan is healthy and good to go and is looking like he was early in the season, then I think Ryan probably starts my third game, fourth game. Ah, shoot, no. Well, Okay, so I think I go Pablo, Sonny, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober with Kenta in the bullpen kind of a throwback to his role with the Dodgers before the Twins traded him. So I think I would go Pablo Sonny, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober with Kenta in the bullpen. If Joe Ryan doesn't get his uh, stuff back together, then it's Pablo, Sonny, Kenta, and Bailey Ober. I think that's, I think that's the way I would go. I'd love to hear what people have to say too, because um, I don't know that there's a wrong answer. Stitch Please wants to know, how should I pr pronounce Josh Winder's last name? I just said it, Josh Winder. Um, I did do a dumb meme called Winder Bread instead of Wonder Bread because for whatever reason, when I'm trying to tweet Josh Winder's name, which admittedly hasn't happened that much this year, I keep putting Wonder instead of Winder and autocorrect hasn't figured it out yet. So Winder Bread it is. Josiah, our good friend Josiah says... Who should be called up from the Saints if the Twins need a replacement? My vote is for Anthony Prado. Um, so if if we look at Anthony Prado, 
just uh, look at him first before we look at everybody else. Um, just really come on strong. Not a big guy, 5'9", a little under 200 pounds, seventh round pick in 2019. But um, all he's done this year is hit. He played 43 games at Wichita and had a 553 OPS. He's played 46 games at St. Paul and has a 1,066 OPS. Try making sense of it. You will not because it's 45 game, 46 games at St. Paul, 43 at Wichita. So it's not like it's two small sample sizes or one large and one small. This is two large sample sizes. Um, Prado or Prado, I think it's Prado. Um, strikeout to walk ratio of exactly one, has some thump in his bat, has always been a good plate discipline guy in the pros. I, I would love to get a look at what he's capable of, but with that said, it's going to come down to positional need. Um, you know, if they need an outfielder, Hilberto Salasino having a decent year down there, not driving the ball, which was an issue last season as well. Um, Kyle Garlick has kind of recently started playing some first base, which would be good from a versatility standpoint. Other than that, I mean, Trevor Larnick has really started swinging it well lately. Um, and I think the the wild card here would be Andrew Stevenson, 29-year-old outfielder who has been incredible for the Saints with an 898 OPS. He does have big league time with the Nationals, just turned 29 in June. But um, not great numbers in the big leagues, 248 games, a 687 OPS, um, not a lot of power. Doesn't run that much, but uh, he has put together. Actually, he he didn't run that much in the big leagues. He's run. He's got thirty seven stolen bases this year in St. Paul. So anyway, um, I got a little bit tied up in his uh, his big league stats, which probably not fair. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can find room for any of these guys because, as we've stated, the the roster is getting a little bit compressed, but if they were to go down and get anybody from AAA St. Paul, still not totally uh, up to speed calling St. Paul AAA after Rochester. And guess what? Andrew Stevenson played in Rochester with the Nationals last year. So making that just that much more difficult. Uh, Confused Twins fan says, when do we become concerned about Alex Kirilov's shoulder for the season. So um, latest update that I've seen about Alex Kirilov, I'm just going to pull it up here to make sure I get the right thing. Um, he had a cortisone shot on about a week ago. Now, the fact that we haven't heard anything is um, it's obviously not optimistic. He's also had just repetitive injuries with his upper body that is not necessarily optimistic. Um and also, too, like the swing before he went down was not looking good. So how long has he been afflicted by this, I think, is a valid question. So I I kind of – I'm not really looking for him any time before September. And, you know, they'll, they'll have room for him if he gets healthy. But at the same time, too, if they have open roster spots come September 1 where they can add a couple guys and, and have some extra depth um, – They'll have bodies if Kirilov isn't healthy, whether it's Nick Gordon or if they decide to go get Chris Williams, another guy I should have mentioned before. Um, they'll have bodies. Now, when it comes to Kirilov, yes, I would say I'm a little bit pessimistic just because um, shoulders are tricky. 
and a strain. I don't know. I mean, my, my fervent hope is that he'll be back on September one, but cortisone shot a week ago, still no update. He's going to have to get on some kind of swing program where it's probably a few, few days to get him back up to speed. And then a rehab stint besides I'm thinking September, but uh, I'm not ready to do the whole rest of the season bit yet. I'm not going to be that skeptical quite yet. Alan Hess wants to know, do we think that Brooks Lee is going to get a call this year? And where would he even play? Because they said on the broadcast he could be up, but they have a guy at short. So we had Eric Longenhagen of Fangraphs up um, and on the show here last week, and he is absolutely smitten with Brooks Lee. It's his number 10 prospect. And dude with a capital D, I believe, was how he termed it. Go go listen to it. I, I promise you will not regret it. He had some pretty good things to say about this farm system. He believes that Lee could be, in theory, I don't know if ready is the right word, but like capable. Um, and to me, it just comes down to, again, roster spots. If Brooks Lee's ready, they'll make it happen. But um, right now I'd say about 50-50 just because we don't want to say no. Nobody's going to get hurt. Nothing's going to open up for him. We don't know that. And in fact, as we've seen this year, it's altogether possible. Um, but with that said, I if you were to give me odds, I'd say 51% he doesn't, 49% he does. I'm slightly leaning toward Brooks Lee not getting the chance this year, which, I mean, you can look at it one of two ways. You can be positive that he's getting more time to develop. You can be negative that, um, you know, you could be, you could be negative um, that he's, he's needed, but they're refusing to speed up the timeline. You can look at it pretty much whatever way you want, but I'm slightly more likely thinking he does not debut this year than that he does. Um, I'm going to keep this moving along. I got a few more questions that did not get answered and I'm going to do a special episode on Monday to answer the rest of them because you guys went above and beyond and just asked some incredible questions and figure why not make some, uh, added content out of it. Buxton MVP 2023. That's probably not going so well. Uh, wants to know if the twins, have what it takes to win a playoff game this season yes they do um i'll I'll be blunt about that because i think they do um i think this team's gonna win like 84 games and then go on a deep playoff run and all the people who complain about a lot of things good or bad are going to be really struggling with how to uh show their emotions but his his other question was top five trades in twins history so um Let's just go first. Uh, this is my list. I would love to hear your list, and it's probably going to be different than mine. But the trades that did not make my top five were uh, the trade that sent Knobloch to the Yankees for Milton, Eric Milton, Christian Guzman. I think Brian Buchanan was in that trade as well. Um, Tom Bernanski from the Angels for Doug Corbett and Rob Wilfong in 82. Uh, Larry Heisel, Heisel for virtually nothing from the Cardinals. And then Eric Milton to the Phillies for Punto, uh, Nick Punto, Carlos Silva, and Bobby Karecki. Now the top five, and they can be in whatever order you want. Um, Jim Perry for Jack Kralik. 
Uh, Perry, just a tremendous pitcher for the Twins after the trade. Uh, Cesar Tovar for Jerry Arrigo. Uh, Tovar won an MVP, played all over the place. Um, sorry, Cesar Tovar did not win an MVP. I'm thinking of uh, Zoilo Versailles. Tovar played every position in one game. Just a very valuable utility man and um, just a, a great overall trade. Um, we'll move more modern here. Uh, getting Kevin Tappany and Rick Aguilera for Frank Viola, as unpopular as it may have been at the time, ended up being a good deal for the Twins. Um, then the final two, I could go either way. Either one of them could be one or two, but um, Johan Santana for Jared Camp. So the whole Rule 5 uh, trade back in, I think it was 99 for uh for santana the rule five stuff and trades and all that um slow burn for santana too it took him a while to get to who he was but showed that um you know what you see is not always what you get with uh players of this caliber it takes a little while to become who you're going to be and then number one and you know we had to go this way friend of the program aj Pierzynski gets traded to the giants for joe nathan booth bonzer and Francisco Liriano. Uh, Francisco Liriano, absolutely incredible 2006 rookie season with the Twins. Um, very easily on the basis of the quality of his play, could have won rookie of the year. Um, didn't. I believe Justin Verlander did. Um, but in all, just a, a coup of a trade for the Twins, as it also opened up catcher for Joe Maurer, which um, I don't know that we sleep on that aspect of it, but it's definitely part of the calculus. Yeah, you guys, you absolutely killed it with these questions. I'm going to come back with a bonus episode on Monday because, honestly, guys, you were you were tremendous. We got seven, eight more questions. I can't get to them all here. Um, so, with that said, this is a wrap. That is it for this edition of Locked On Twins. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Follow at Locked On Twins at Brandon underscore Warren on Twitter. Give us a five star rating and listen wherever you are getting your podcasts at or watching on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. And send us questions. We would love to hear you in the seventh inning stretch, which is usually the voice of the fan once we get things kind of going consistently the way we like it. So, yeah, come hang out with us. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. If you're an everydayer, make sure to check out uh, later this week. we got Pat Light coming on. You can go back last week, listen to Eric Longenhagen of Fangraphs, Wax Poetic, about what is a fairly decent twin system. He was a little cool on the draft, but seems to really like the system. So with that said, this is Brandon Warren signing off saying thank you so much, and don't forget to stop by tomorrow.